And like Mark said, we're reading from Colossians 2, 6 through 15. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tra tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the word of God. Good morning. Well, let me add my encouragement to um, hang out with Moffat and Doreen in uh, Zambia next summer. Uh, many of you know we were there in uh, June this year, and it was so magical and so amazing. And they are so amazing, and so an opportunity to, to serve with the students. And what's so beautiful is um, you can go to North Rise and see the campus and all that's happening to students, but. Um, you will get an opportunity to see the imprint that Northrise has on the community as a whole, uh, which is just massive. And so that's, that's such a sweet um, thing to be able to do. So I really want to encourage you if you're like, maybe I should do that. I'm going to add my voice to, yes, you should do that. And God will make a way for that to happen if he wants you there. So I encourage you to do that. All right. So we are in Colossians. And um, this book is about our fullness in Christ. And this passage in particular is about the fullness that we have in Christ. That, that phrase actually shows up in our passage. So this, again, I've said this every week, but this gets right to the heart of <laughs> Paul's message. And um, before we look at how Paul articulates what we have in Christ and the fullness that we have, um, I want to give you an image here. Here's an image of fullness, right? Uh, and you can imagine all, if, if we are filled in Christ and we have fullness in him. But I want to start by asking you this morning, um, before we talk about fullness, this question. Where is your soul thirsty? <laughs> okay, I want you to actually kind of take a, you know, get a sense of what's been happening lately in your life and what's been going on, maybe externally or internally. And, and where is your soul thirsty? Okay, 
And I'll give you a couple options. Uh, maybe this has been a, you, you're weary and you've been burned with just a lot lately. Life is just the responsibilities, the, 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 the weight of life has been hard and you're, you're weary and your soul is so thirsty for rest. You love rest. Uh, maybe you have uh, had a fresh encounter with your own sin and brokenness and, and you came into these doors this morning with a load of, of shame, of guilt that's in there that you're gonna hide from us but that's, that you're carrying right now. And, um, and your soul is thirsty for forgiveness. It's thirsty for freedom from, from that guilt. Maybe you've been in an anxious place. Uh, you've been in a place where you've experienced a, a significant amount of fear, stress, and anxiety, and your, um, your soul is thirsty for peace. You long to be free <laughs> from your anxiety. Uh, maybe you've been angry lately. Maybe you've been resentful and you're carrying bitterness in you and your, your soul is, is, is thirsty for just that kind of washing away and living in freedom without, without the angerness, the anger, the angerness, uh, the, the anger that you're, that you're feeling. Uh, maybe you're caught in, in addictions, habitual patterns that you cannot seem to kick and your soul is thirsty for freedom. So I want you just to, to have a sense of, um, of that question. Where, where's my soul been thirsty lately? You may not even have been in touch with it because you're just going. Um, but if you stop for 30 seconds, you're like, oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in there. And what Paul's going to do this morning is um, say lay out a, a meal for our souls, okay? A, I want you to imagine just a spread. It's a great spread, a feast, and, and Paul's going to lay out this feast of all that we have in Christ. Or I could say this. He's just going to pour out on us what we have in Christ. And so I, my encouragement, I'm going to say a bunch of things today. <laughs> There's a lot. I'm not going to have one focus. And so my encouragement is you're going to get a, a bunch of different meals. And it's up to you and the Lord to say, Lord, what, where are you wanting to meet me today in this thirst that I have? So that's my, my invitation to you. The invitation is going to be taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay? In the midst of our hungers and thirsts, we have an opportunity through the Word of God to taste and see that the Lord is good today. So let's do that together. Um, so let's look at our passage. We see this theme of fullness uh, in verse 9 and 10. So take a look at verse 9 and 10. Let me read this to you again. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness, okay? So let me give you an image. You've seen this image recently. Paul says, in Christ, Jesus the Nazarene, all the fullness of God dwells bodily, okay? This man who lived for 33 years, we think, on, on this earth, that was a, just a Jewish rabbi, in him the fullness of God dwelt. And Paul doesn't say actually dwelt, but dwells, still dwells, right? In this person, omnipotent power dwells. The power of the creator dwells. Power is just like radiating from this person, okay? In him, the fullness of God's grace dwells. God's wisdom dwells in him. God's joy, and God has a lot of joy if you didn't know that. God has a lot of joy. And all of that dwells in this man. He is a stream of living waters. God dwells in him. There's so much fullness in him. 
And then Paul says, and guess what? You are in him. Okay? And so you have been given fullness because God's fullness dwells in him, and in him you now have fullness. There's a richness to your life because you are in this person, Jesus Christ. This is assuming you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? And so I, I want to... As I've just said that, there's a little phrase that I just mentioned, and it's this phrase, in Christ, okay? And that phrase shows up, I think, six or seven times in our passage. That phrase shows up almost 150 times in Paul's letters alone, in Christ or in him. And I would suggest that little phrase, in Christ, is Paul's summary of the good news. The good news is this. By faith, you are in Christ. And now here comes the heretical part of the sermon, okay? So get ready. Um, this is not what I kind of thought. Like if you were to ask me after being in the church growing up for 18 years, Dave, what's the good news? Um, that would not have been my answer. My answer would have been something like this. What's, the, what's like the Christian message, the good news? I would have said, I think the good news is that we can have forgiveness of our sins through the death of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's how I would have articulated the good news. I no longer think, here's the heretical part, that is, at the, the, that is the summation of the good news. <laughs> My answer is now, as I've read Paul for many, many years, is I think at least what Paul would say at the very heart of the good news is this. You are now in Christ. That's the good news. You have been by faith united to the person of Jesus Christ. Your life is now intimately bound up with, intrinsically woven together with Jesus. And that means all that he is, all that he has done, all that he has accomplished is now yours because you are in him. So that means that your identity, your, um, your story, your destiny is intimately bound up with the person of Jesus Christ. This is the good news. You are in Christ. Okay? Now, of course, the forgiveness of sins through the death of Jesus is, is right, right in the midst of the most important benefits that we have in Jesus Christ. My, my experience though is if, if that's all that the gospel is, um, that, that gospel can often leave people unchanged. Like, great, I'm forgiven my sins, awesome, I'll keep going and now I'm, now I'm good to go, <laughs> like, right? Um, union with Jesus, meaning this idea that Paul is in Christ, includes, of course, the forgiveness of sins, which we'll see today. It is, is at the very heart of the most beautiful blessings we have in Jesus. But it includes more than that. It includes our adoption into the family of God. It includes um, um, all the riches of the spiritual blessings that we receive by being in faith in Jesus Christ. And it includes, of course, eternal life with Christ. And it includes a life that is transformational because now we are attached to Jesus and now we follow him rather than ourselves. Okay, so I want to suggest this is a great just shorthand for the gospel in Christ. And if you haven't heard this before, that's okay. And um, some of this might sound a little unfamiliar, but you're going to go, oh yeah, that's exactly what Paul's saying here. <laughs> so I want to talk about today, what does this mean? Let's explore our fullness in Christ, okay? Um, so let me read to you um, the next few verses. There's going to be a lot to unpack. So notice the in Christ language, verse 11. In him, 
you were also, in him being in Jesus, right? You were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Okay, that was a lot to take in, right? Big picture, here's what Paul is saying. Um, you're in Christ. Christ's story has become yours. Christ's reality has become yours. Here's the story of Jesus. Jesus lived and then he was crucified, he died, he was buried, and then he was raised to new life. And Paul's saying that story is now yours because you are in Christ. Like Jesus, you too have now died and you've been buried and you've been raised to new life. Okay? That's what he's saying. Your story, Jesus' story is now your story because you are in Christ. In Christ, you too have died and have been buried and have been raised to new life. Do you see that in the passage? Yeah? Okay. So here's what I want to do. I want to I look at both sides of this in Christ reality today. Um, first, the side of you have died. And let, I want to get inside of what on earth is Paul talking about. And then I want to talk, what does it mean to be raised to new life? Um, he's saying that's already happened in you. He's, he, um, of course, it's going to happen in the future too when Christ returns. But he's saying that's, somehow that's already happened spiritually in your life. You've been raised. You have died. You've been raised because you are in Christ. And so I want to look at both sides of this today. There's this death that has to happen in order for life. There's this emptying of the self in order for this fullness of Christ to occur. Okay? So let's look at what Paul has to say. Let's first look at the dying part of this. Okay? And I told you this was a sermon about fullness. The next 10 minutes is going to be about emptiness. <laughs> and then we'll turn to fullness. But you have to have this before you have this. At least that's the way Paul articulates it. Okay? So let's look at first the dying. Um, Paul gives us, he uses two images that are ancient first century images to talk about death in Christ. The first one is the image of circumcision, okay? I think I, uh, let me see if I put this up here. Yeah, let me put it up here. In him, you were circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off, we might say cut out, uh, when you were circumcised by Christ, Okay, not the most immediate um, metaphor I would use in today's culture, um, but in first century Jewish culture, it works well. Um, it's a very graphic metaphor, of course. Um, it is referring to what would happen with all Jewish males, right, when they're born on the eighth day, I think it was, that they've got a covering <laughs> over part of them, and on the eighth day, that, cuttering, that, cut, that covering is cut off, okay? Very graphic image. Um, I am raising three daughters, so uh, I, 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 I haven't experienced it from one of my own kids, uh, but my brother, uh, my, he has a son, my nephew, and I can remember being with my dad and my brother on Davies when he was born in Hogue, and uh, you know, it was a little after the birth, and they took him into another room, and I remember the three Gunlock men were standing out, there's a glass room, you know, and there's an operation table going on. And we're watching this little guy, and he's happy, and then all of a sudden, he's, he's not happy. <laughs> and you've you got the three gunlock males looking, and I, I remember looking, thinking, loss is the first grade lesson, you know, like, <laughs> get used to disappointment, Davey, you know. Um, it's graphic, right? But it's something um, very vulnerable, 
is, is cut off. That, that's the image. And Paul is saying, in Christ, that has happened to you, <laughs> male and female. And, and he says, he says um, right, this is not a circumcision by human hands. Of course, it's not a physical thing I'm talking about, Paul says. This, you were circumcised by Christ himself. This is, a, this is a spiritual thing that happened. But when you come to faith in Jesus, he's saying, something in you dies. Something in you is cut out, cut off. What is that thing? This is the NIV. It's this. Your whole self ruled by the flesh. Literally in the Greek, the body of flesh. Or your translation might say the sinful nature. It's that part of us that wants independence, uh, that wants control, that wants to call the shots for our own lives. It's that part of us that wants self-preservation, self-satisfaction, self-glory, any other word you can think of that begins with self. That self that plays out in a million different ways in our lives, in greed, and anger, and lust, self-righteousness, all of that. Paul is saying, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus performed a heart circumcision on you. He said, if you want to follow me, I need to cut this out. Okay? That whole self ruled by the flesh, that has to go. I need to do something fundamental to cut that out. It needs to die if you want to follow me. And, and Jesus could not have been more clear about this. This is what he says to his disciples and to everybody who encountered him. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. That selves, right? That's the whole self ruled by the flesh. You have to deny yourself and take up their cross and daily follow me. That is, a, that is an image of crucifixion. Something in you needs to die. For whoever wants to save and preserve their life, they'll lose it. The very thing you're seeking to save for yourself, you will lose. But if you will lose, whoever loses their life for me will save it. Okay? When Christ, this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer's command, when Christ calls a person, he bids them come and die. Something deep in you has to be cut out if you want to follow me. So that's the first image, circumcision. Uh, and then the other image, of course, is the image of baptism. Look at verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. Interesting image. You were buried with Christ. Right? Christ was buried in the ground. And in Christ, you were buried in baptism. Let me give you an image of baptism. Here's a little guy being baptized. Right? This is the imagery of baptism. You go underwater. We just had a baptism a couple weeks ago. My, my daughter was baptized right, a couple months ago. You go under the water. You, you are dying to an old life. And I, I know we can never do this, but I kind of wish when we baptize, I wish we could hold people under for like 30 seconds. <laughs> you know? Like, this is what death feels like. Right? This is what utter loss of control over your life looks like. This is what it feels like to be totally dependent on another person you know, rising you up from this into a new life. But this is the imagery. Paul uses it all the time. Right? You have died. We'll, we'll hear in chapter 3. You have died. Your life is now hidden with Christ. Christ has, has cut something out. If you've truly come to faith in him, you have been buried with him. And that's, you know, we're talking about fullness in Christ today. 
But this is the thing that must be said before we talk about fullness. Before there can be fullness, there has to be an, an emptying of the self, meaning a, a surrendering of the self to Jesus. Right Before this new life can happen, there has to be death. And as I just think about the church in America, the more I think about it, just cultural Christianity, I think um, I'm more and more convinced that the reason so many people don't experience more fullness in Christ is because they never died. Right? They, they, never, they never really heard that call. They just heard, hey, believe this thing and you're going to heaven. They never heard that call, come and die to receive new life. I remember back in college, I remember hearing someone say, and the problem with the church in America is, is we are getting inoculated with Jesus. Um, we're getting just enough of a type of Jesus to, to keep ourselves safe from the real thing. <laughs> and so I, I think so often we're going around and that, that heart surgery never really happened. That full surrender never really happened. And so we're still walking around kind of keeping control of our lives, trying to hold on to that self that Jesus says you got to let it go, and trying to grab Jesus at the same time. And you live this sort of in-between life where you don't experience all the rich blessings that are ours in Christ because we're trying to do both. It's like the, the, the parable of the soil and the third soil. And, you know, the word's growing, but there's, there's all these thorns still up, and they're choking out the fruitfulness of the soil. And I just think it's interesting, you know, last week we heard about believers in Iran uh, and in Turkey, right? And one of the things that everyone who's been a part of those trips says is there's so much joy in these people. Their, their worship is is amazing. They just love Jesus. And I think the reason is because they died. It was like, it was baked into the deal from the beginning, right? You, you've got to die to your family. You've got to die to your safety. You've got to die to your financial future. You've got to die maybe to the country that you live in in order to, to embrace this gospel. And so there's this, this just fullness that comes through death in Christ. And even as I look at my own life, it's, I've had a pretty undramatic life. Um, but when I look at, like, how I've grown, so often I realize, like, God's model is so often death and resurrection. Like, that's how life works is, is I don't look at my life like I've just sort of slowly grown and, like, I just get stronger and stronger in certain things. What usually happens in my life is I'll be going about life and then God will bring me to this moment where there's some crisis that is going to require something to die. Like, I'll be brought to a moment, and it's like, my need for control, God is, is throwing that in my face, and I, I'm, it's a question, like, am I going to kill this? Am I going to surrender this him or not? Or my need for, for people's approval, or my need for peace and security, and I'm confronted with it, and the question is, will you hang on to this, or will you let it go? And then, in the best of moments, I let it go, I surrender it, it's cut out, not knowing what the, what the result is going to be, but so often the result is in that moment of surrender or in the aftermath of that, God starts to bring in new life, resurrection. Like, oh, there's a new freedom that he had for me. There's a new obedience. There's a new joy. Um, there's a new faithfulness. There's a new experience of his promises. Death and resurrection, it's so often the way of Jesus. It certainly is the way of his life, and it's the way of the Christian life. Okay, so all that to say, that's, we, we have to talk about that if we're going to talk about fullness, because Paul says that, that's how it works. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, Jesus says, it remains alone. But if it dies, it can produce so much fruit. That was the case in his life. That's the case in our lives.
So there's the invitation before we drink of that wonderful water. Come and die. <laughs> Surrender. And, and not even, it's not even a command. He's actually saying, this has already happened to you. You have died. You have been buried with Christ. If you've put your faith in Jesus, he has done this. This is, this is your spiritual reality. Now we have to live into that, of course. But this is good news. We'll look at that again. You have died in Jesus Christ. All right? Okay, so now let's look at the fullness, okay? The beauty of this. Uh, verse 12, um, you know, verse 12 said, you've been buried with him in baptism, but then it says, in which you were also raised with him through your faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. That's the beautiful imagery of baptism. You go under the waters, and then, of course, you come up out of the waters. And I've shown you this image many times. This is a rendition of Jesus' own baptism, right? And that's this picture of coming into new life where Jesus is now your Lord, and you now live not in yourself or for yourself, but you live in Christ. And Paul is saying that life is a life of fullness, okay? And he's not talking about circumstantial fullness. I'm not saying everything's going to go well in your life. I'm not saying you're going to be rich and you're going to be healthy all the time. But there is a spiritual fullness that comes from embracing the promises of God. And that's what he goes on to talk about. So what I want to do is I want to I end with these three descriptions of fullness. And just walk through these that Paul lays out. And my, my hope is that one of these is what your soul needs to hear today. All right? So the first thing that we have is what I would just call, we have new life in Christ. Um, look at verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. Um, I like how he describes that earlier life. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You know, I just said a second ago, we got to let go of that old life. we got to die to it. And Paul reminds us here, that was a dead life anyways. <laughs> what needed to die was a dead life. There wasn't life in that. There was, you, were, you were dead. You were utterly unresponsive to, your creator, uh, to your creator. Right? That wasn't life. You were dead in your sins and your transgressions. You were following the ways of the world. Um, that was a dead life anyways. You were unresponsive to God and his grace. And then what did God do? God, he says in this, in this passage, he made you alive. He breathed spiritual light into you. you, you life into you. you were, in your heart, there was darkness, and God flipped the switch and brought light into your heart. Jesus calls this being born again in John 3. Scholars call this regeneration. God doing something for you you could never do for yourself, giving you spiritual life. My favorite description of this is in Ezekiel. Um, I think it connects here. This, is, this was God's promise that what he would do in the new covenant. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. That is the essence of the new life. We had a heart that was hard, right? Unresponsive, um, prideful wanting to go about its own ways. And then when we put our faith in Jesus, right? In Christ, this is what God does. He softens that heart. He gives us a heart of flesh that, that's receptive to him. And his spirit comes to dwell in us. Jesus says, you must be born of water and spirit. Right? This God's spirit has to do this work in you. 
And what happens then is, is you now become alive to God. And this is part of the fullness we have in Christ. We, we can take it for granted because some of us are so used to it. But you now have a life where you're responsive to God. You see his truths and those truths resonate with you. You go, yes, we don't always live in it, of course. But you go, yes, God, I believe this. I believe your truth. I, I trust your promises, right? And your, your spirit is now working. Where there used to be more um, shame and guilt or distance, I'm starting to experience this other voice saying that I'm your child, right? You're my Abba, right? There's, there's new spiritual life in me. And so I just want to encourage you maybe today, that's where your soul is thirsty. Like, man, I, I just feel like I've, I'm distant from God, and um, I feel like I'm, there's, there's no connection. Maybe you need to be reminded, like, no, if you are in Christ, um, God has given you a new heart. And, and so go to his word, right? Pray to him and, and see if there isn't something there that, you, yes, I, I resonate with these truths, Lord. I, I need to go back to what I had <laughs> um, because he's given you new life. If you don't believe in Jesus, today's an opportunity to say, I want that. I feel the, the, the hard parts of my life, and I want to know God. And you can cry out to him, and he can give you a new life, a new heart, a new spirit. This is what God does all around the world still today. New life in Christ. Secondly, um, this is the one that really hit me this week. I love this. I would say a new freedom in Christ, okay? Look at uh, the end of verse 13. You've heard this a million times. Many of you try to take this in today. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Okay, there is a new freedom <laughs> that is ours in Christ, that we have been forgiven all our sins. And you know the old life, the old self? I don't know if when you are in charge of your own life, I don't know if you notice this, but we can be pretty critical um, rulers of our own lives. Like you want to kind of do this life on your own, um, a lot of us have a very critical inner voice that is constantly aware of our shortcomings, our brokenness, our sins, and that can be very critical of ourselves. And a lot of us have lived that life many, many times and for many, many years. And Paul's reminding us, that is not your life in Christ. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God is not that kind of Lord. He's your Father now. He's a good Father. And, and He's not, um, it is a life where mistakes are not dwelt on. And just hear that. Life in Christ is a life where mistakes are not dwelt on, where God's like, the minute you just confess this, you acknowledge this, you own up to it, it come on home. Like, we're not going to sit. I'm not going to put your face in this again and again like you do for yourself, okay? That's not the kind of God I am. With me, there's, there's, <laughs> there's forgiveness. We're not, we're not going to sit in that. You need to own it. You need to confess it. But I want you to walk in freedom from that. And, and Paul gives us just this beautiful image uh, in verse 14, right? Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned, 
condemns us. He took it away. And I'm gonna, this is going to be like a total youth group moment. If you guys grew up in youth group, I'm going to give you like an old school youth group physical picture of what's going on here. But I just love this. He's talking about this, this record of debt, okay? Legal indebtedness is what is the image he's describing. So I have um, one page of my Capital One credit card um, transactions, okay, from uh, September. Uh, this, this page fits about 20 transaction after transaction after transaction. Um, you can find out a lot about my life if you read this after the service. Um, there's my Manny Petty. There's my... Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, this is a record of debt, right? This is a record of IOUs from Dave Gunlock, Dave and Carrie, to uh, Capital One, right? This is the image that Paul is using. And he's saying, this is what stood against you. You have a record of moral debt. Your sins have, have left a record of moral debt with God. Transaction after transaction, no, we would call it transgression after transgression after transgression, right? Sins of commission, sins of omission, things we should have done that we didn't do, things we did that we shouldn't have done. And, and this stands before every human being and a holy God. And Paul says, in Christ, God has just, what does he say? I think he says he's taken it away. Where did he take it to? <laughs> and what's the image? Right to the cross. So here comes the youth group moment because you've got to see it for yourselves. I'm going to nail this to the cross. Right? God takes this record of debt, of transactional debt. Yeah, we're going. We're going. <laughs> see if I can do this. This is really awkward. There's things in front of me. Oh, this isn't going to work. No, I'm going to do this. I want you to see this today. This is important. And he nails it to the cross. Okay? Christ was crucified on the cross. That record of debt of yours and mine, the sins of the world, are laid on him. God nails it to the cross. And, and Paul's already said, and you died with Christ. You've been crucified with Christ, right? And now that you've been raised to new life, you're raised into this new life outside of the cross. And I just picture stepping into this new life in Christ and sometimes feeling the guilt of our sins and doing things. And I picture God just going, where is that piece of paper? right? I can't find it anywhere. And going, oh yeah, I remember where it is. It's right there. It's nailed to the cross. It is paid in full. So confess your sins, and I've already done everything that needs to be done. <laughs> There's nothing you need to do because all of those sins have been paid for. You don't need to pay for them again, right? Capital One's not going to ask me to pay twice. Well, I guess there's, there's, never mind, that didn't work because, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, some of you have experienced a lot of financial debt. Um, you know the feeling, the weight of financial debt. You know what it feels like to be under just a load. You're like, I, haven't, I don't know how we're ever going to get out of this. You know what it's felt like in your body. You know what the, the, the tightness of chest, right? Your neck. You, you know those, those sleepless nights. And, um, and many of us, and probably all of us in different times, know that same feeling um, with our own sin and brokenness and, and all that that creates. And Paul's like, dude, that is your past. That, that is, that's back on the cross. That will never come off the cross. So Walk into newness. If we confess our sins, God is faithful to make us do five years of penance, right? 
to make up for it. No, no. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. And it's so simple and it's so beautiful. And so I just ask you maybe today, where is, where is your soul? Where is your soul thirsty for freedom and forgiveness? Where do you need to remember the good news? You're in Christ. You're not on your own anymore. And that debt is, is back there on the cross. New life, right? Circumcised hearts. New freedom, forgiveness. Walking in this grace in which we now stand. And then finally, I'll end with this. A new authority in life. Look at verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Or maybe in, in Christ, different translations say different things. Um, I love this. This is, this is amazing. Paul is saying, it, on the cross, God triumphed over the powers and authorities. Lots of debate about which powers and authorities. I'm thinking probably the spiritual powers and authorities. Satan, he certainly triumphed over the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities. Any authority you can imagine. I don't know which one Paul means here, but I'm going to go with spiritual authorities. Satan and Satan's plan. Jesus triumphed over them and made a public spectacle of them. It, he, he, he made them look really bad publicly. And that's such a sweet twist of the plot because when Jesus was crucified, by all measure, he was the one who was being made a public spectacle of, right? A crucifixion is an utterly shameful thing, right? You're condemned as a criminal. You're, you're crucified, I think, almost in the nude. I mean, it's so shaming and exposing, and you look defeated. And Paul turns that whole thing on his head. He's like, that's not what was happening in that moment. This was Christ's victory over the powers and authorities. Right? This was his great moment of defeating evil, to bringing forgiveness to God's children. And so at verse 10, look back at verse 10, it says, um, he is the head over every power and authority. Jesus of Nazareth now has all authority in heaven on earth. And you are in him. He has authority over all things, and you are in him. And I'm not totally sure what that means in terms of the authority we have in this life, like how that actually plays out in, um, in spiritual warfare, in prayers, in what we can expect to be able to accomplish. I, I don't, I'm, that's something I'm still working through, but I, I definitely know this. As I read the New Testament, it's clear to me that we're in a spiritual battle, and from cover to cover, the New Testament says, and you have every spiritual resource you need to fight this battle and to stand strong in this battle, okay? You have what you need in Christ not to be just obliterated by Satan. I mean, he can kill you, right? He can take away your money. He can take away people you love, but that spiritual status that you have in Jesus, um, you have everything you need. You, are, you have authority as the sons and daughters of the king now because you've been adopted into his family because you are in Christ. And so we move into this world with a type of spiritual authority. Again, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it's certainly not a place where we just get pushed around spiritually every day by Satan. We can take our stand is the imagery Paul uses constantly. We can stand fast and firm in the promises of God, right? In who we are in Christ. There's a new authority that we have in him. Okay, that was a lot. 
fullness in Christ. That's the theme. Um, This is the reality of who we are because of who Jesus is and because we are now in him. So what's the call? I'll just leave you with this. Look at verse 6. Go back to the beginning of the verse. If that's the reality, what's the call? Here it is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, literally he says, continue to walk in him. I'll give you one last image. (laughs) Here's the image. This is Christ and all that he has done. He is your Lord. Now just continue to walk in him. And Paul gives us all these analogies. Rooted in him. Let your, let your roots grow deep in Jesus. Built up in him. Let him be the foundation that you build your life on. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Right? Grow strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord. And the last one, and overflowing with thanksgiving, which takes us back to that original image. Spend time in gratitude, regularly giving thanks for all that you have in in Jesus, all of God's promises in Christ. All that to say, this is who you are. This is what Christ has done for you. Now just walk every day in the reality of who you are in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Well, Father, today we give you thanks for all that you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And where there needs to be a surrender and a death and a cutting out of something that we want to hold tightly to that needs to go, Lord, would you, by your Spirit, help us to do that. Help us to to loosen our grip and let go of what needs to die. And where we need to just walk in the beauty of your gospel, Lord. Would you just invite us into that in a deeper way today? Maybe truths we've known for so long, but we just need to, we need to know them again today, Lord. Move us, move in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.